Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome, everybody. We are at episode three, and uh, when thinking of who I could have on the show, uh, there was one of my best friends of recent years. We all have old friends, but there's some space for new friends. One of my best friends from recent years, uh, a fellow coach, consultant, and colleague in the space is Benj Miller, and he's here with us today. I'm so excited for you guys to not only hear his story, but for those of you who are watching in video to see his beard, because I'm horribly <laughs> envious of it. And those of you who are, are listening on audio, now you're going to want to know. So go check it out on YouTube. It's worth uh, it's worth every minute of it. But without uh, any further ado, uh, Benj, I'd love to just open it up and ask you, just tell us your story. How did you uh, get into coaching? Why did you get into coaching and take it from here? Well, I, I've been an entrepreneur since a very early age, even like, uh, you know, the stories of the kids who have the paper route. I wasn't a paper route kid uh, because I lived out more in a cornfield than a neighborhood, but I had very strict parents and they insisted that we um, weren't really allowed to go to other people's houses, that they didn't know the parents or parties. So I decided to bring the party to my house. And so I turned one of our barns into what I thought was a nightclub. Uh, you know, we had a full court basketball, we had music, we had snacks, we had a cover charge. There's a PlayStation up in the loft with a couch. Like it was, it was full on. So um, that was my very first taste of like, well, just if you can't, do what other people are doing. And there's a demand, like just do something. And if you build it, people will come. And we had a solid three, three week run on that one. Uh, but that, that's what kind of led me into this idea that we get to design our own life. We get to design our own business. Um, and, and we overuse the word visionary, but I think we underuse who we apply it to because so many people can, are, are, can be visionaries of their own lives. If, even if they don't have a business, the business owners, uh, we we think about the big big vision. We we forget about all the micro visions that happened along the way, and really that's just seeing what could be and making it happen. Um, so I, I went on like a little bit of a I don't know what I'm doing. Typical kind of right out of high school college, but I, I ended up uh, running my own business almost by accident, and we kind of grew it and grew it and grew it, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I made a couple of really bad decisions, and. Uh, uh, I, it was like one of those moments. I'm like, all right, what are my options? I can go get a job like a normal human being. I can take this business down to about a third of the size it was, a quarter of the size it was, and have a really easy, fun lifestyle business that I enjoyed with people I enjoyed. Or I can figure out what it looks like to run a business. 
Um, and that's when I fell in love with the, the mix of the blend of the art and the science of, of build, business building, figured out that I was in love with it, figured out that I was actually decent at it and went on to start a bunch of other companies. And along the way, one of my uh, longtime business partners, trusted advisors, he's been uh, almost everything that uh, you could have in a right-hand man along the way. He's been in the CFO seat. He's been in the operator seat. He's been in operations. He's been in the sales seat. Um, and along the way, he, he, we left a planning meeting one time. He goes, you know, you're going to be a consultant one day. And that was like a dirty word to me. Like, oh, I can't believe you would say that. That's so gross. And so to this day, I, I never lived that down. And uh, just as I went through that season of building my businesses and loving the art and science, I found myself loving working with senior leadership teams, whether it was my companies or other people's companies to help them gain insights into their own business, clarity and control that led them to the breakthroughs that they were looking for. I love that. So one of the things you mentioned, the language I use for it is working on your business instead of in your business, right? When yeah. you, you finally realize there is an art and science to this thing, it's not just this, it's not an accident anymore. And the, the accidental entrepreneur, the accidental leader, the accidental salesperson all starts to kind of hit its limit. Uh, I know folks are going through that. Some folks have been through that, but how did you know that that transition was happening from, hey, we can just kind of make this up as we go to we actually have to pay attention to what's going on here? Well, for me, it was uh, look staring at catastrophic failure right in the face. I mean, we were really, really close in the season that I told you about to you know bankrupt. I don't know. I don't. I didn't even get to like what are my options, but it was shut the thing down kind of state. Um, and so when you're looking at failure versus I've got to be intentional, that was the moment, right? That was the, like, I've got to figure out everything and pay attention to everything. And I was just ravenous. Like I got a coach, got a peer group. I got every book I could read on business, on leadership, really more business. I feel like I had a grasp on the leadership, but I was, um, in my, in my leading, uh, I was way more, the language I use, way more soulful than systemful, right? right. So like I, I was all about my people and the culture, the product, the customers. Uh, though, that part of the business was strong, but I didn't have the systems to support any sort of longevity to the business other than, you know, moment to moment, week to week, month to month. Um, there was nothing that was going to hold things in place. If I, you know, went on vacation for a month, right? Like you, I could not come back to anything at that point. Right. So it's a great opportunity because you run System and Soul. Uh, it's kind of one of your newest projects uh, as a, a serial visionary and entrepreneur. I know there's about nine of them happening, but the the one that I know you best through is System and Soul, which really brings those two worlds together, fuses those ideas. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do at System and Soul and why that's so important, not only for your clients, but for folks who are listening today. Yeah. So when I when I really went through that season, um, and it was later, maybe a second evolution of my business acumen through, uh, you know, implementing some systems and tools into my business, using an operating framework that really, really helped me. Um, as I took that same framework and tried to help other entrepreneurs with it, I realized that it, it helped me create a holistic business because I was strong on soul and weak on system. And so as 
I worked with other leaders, they might not have the same strength on the soul side of their business. And so let, let me define that, what I mean by that. It is a pretty loose definition, but we're talking about the identity of the organization, the, the ethos, the culture, the, uh, the clarity on the story, why this business exists and, and creating the story for other people to find a role in. We get really intentional about engineering the culture that we want to have and maintain as we scale. And then we have a very kind of specific way that we approach leadership. We can talk about that if you want, but um, through all of that, we're, we're creating the stickiness that, you know, the attractiveness and the stickiness for the, the organization. And so as I was working and implementing, you know, an operating system that didn't really have these sole components, I, I left a few specific clients that I was working with going, man, that was really unfulfilling. Why was that so unfulfilling? Well, Basically, I'm creating a well-oiled machine that doesn't really matter in this universe. And so uh, I, I had this longing to infuse kind of my tools, tricks, ideology that I had learned around, along the way on the, the soul side in with the system. So I got that opportunity about two years ago. Me and my partner, Chris White, put the thing together. We have some coaches that work with us, that work with these businesses uh, we have some software that kind of pulls it all together and some, some really cool tools, but it's the, it, it's kind of like the system side um, helps make all of the soul side true. Like it, it puts it on rails to make sure that it happens. And then the soul side makes sure the, the system side matters. You know, if we have a system without the soul, it just doesn't matter in the scheme of things. I love that because I think so much of, of my experience in the world, both with entrepreneurs and with coaches, I feel like most people have a bias towards one of those sides or even extremes, right? Yeah. This is a business. Don't talk to me about navel gazing. And, you know, like, I don't <laughs> want to sing Kumbaya. Like, what the heck is all this touchy feely stuff? We got work to do. And then you got other folks who are like, you know, I got out of the rat race. I don't want to do the work thing anymore. And I don't want people to work with me who want to do the work thing anymore. And either one left to their own devices kind of flops, you know, it's, it, and both of them i found are not all that fulfilling, right? right. And both right. of them are, are quite stressful, right? Especially as they're successful, the more success in either arena, uh, the, the more stress adds up. And so I, I love how you approach that. I love the, the hanging on to the tension in between. It's not so much about balancing them as it is holding on to the tension of, we're real people, right? Who have souls, who have want to have purpose, who who are wired for purpose, and we got a real business that has to, you know, meet payroll and you know have profit left over at the end of the day. Yeah. Otherwise, why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, so, I, well, a question that I I have for you is, what do people typically try before they come and work with you, and how does it go? Well, a lot of times. Uh, you know, business owners are smart people. And so they are collectors of ideas. Um, and it depends. You and I both know there's, it, we can't just stereotype an entrepreneur into one or two boxes because there's very, you know, you get 31 flavors of them. But oftentimes they've, you know, read some great things. They read a book and they're like, we're going to do that. And they'll either implement it part of it because that's the part that they understood and were attracted to or they'll implement it for a season. Uh, and so they've, they've collected these things from here and there and they don't really all work together. There's nothing that holds them together. Even like um, great 
personality assessments, right? You come in, you do a personality assessment for your team and it's a good kumbaya moment. And I learned something about myself and I learned something about you, but what do we do with that ongoing? So I think that they try lots of individual things. They don't have great sustainability for those things. They're kind of cobbled together. Uh, and so really having an operating framework that, that holds it all together, it all works together, uh, tends to be where there's a little bit of magic where they can actually break through on some of the things that they intended to do, but didn't necessarily know how to do them really well. Right. Yeah, I've found uh, so often it's about getting not only the right things, but the right things in the right order. Yeah. And getting all of those things working together, right? Uh, the, the illustration I've used with clients is, you, you know, you can line up all your dominoes, but if you flick one over in the middle, you're only going to knock half of them over. But if you go to the end, you flick the first one, they all fall from there. And knowing what I know about the system that you guys put into place, I, I think you guys do such an excellent job at coming in and putting first things first. Uh, and and doing things in the sequence that really allows those accumulation of wins, right? The, the just momentum to build that I, I've not seen in a lot of other systems. That's uh, fantastic. That's cool. All Thank right. you. Yeah. So uh, here's a question, the big question, the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, I'd love for you to share us, share with us uh, as as a high demand coach, as someone who knows what they've been doing, as someone who's been in the CEO seat themselves. What's the biggest secret or the number one thing that you would want our audience to hear from you today? And again, we're talking about founders, leaders, and entrepreneurial organizations. What's that one thing that you really want to pass on? Um, I don't know if this is my forever one thing, but today what, what's top of mind is that vulnerability attracts resources. And so often as the leader of the organization, uh, we somehow have this intrinsic feeling that we have to have it all together. And the reality is, is that there's so many resources out there. Uh, you might have a team member that's more capable, might be ready to step up that if you open up and, you know, talk about the needs of the business, talk about where you as a leader are struggling, you're creating room for them to step into. Uh, it's the same with your, your market. You know, if you've got a question about your, your product, why are we scared to ask our customers, right? Like, let's be a little vulnerable and say, hey, we're trying to figure this out. You're actually the expert because you're the one we're trying to solve. We do the same thing, uh, hesitant to get therapists and coaches. And, you know, there's, uh, there's so many resources out there, but it requires us to step out and be a little vulnerable to say, I don't know the answer. And I'm willing to expose that I don't have the answer. So good. Uh, I was playing around with the idea of leadership with a friend the other day. And, and my, my best shot at what leadership is, my kind of working definition is to be really good at something, to know what you're not good at and, and know how to fill those gaps. Right now, there are some leaders who are really good at something, know what they're not good at, and just run over people to fill the gaps. Right. right so just because, right. like, just because you have the gift of leadership doesn't mean that you, it's a good thing necessarily. Uh, and the real magic happens, I think, in that point of vulnerability, like you're talking about, where you know, not only do we recognize, hey, I don't have the answer here, but I'm actually going to open up and find the answer through somebody else. Uh, and when when you take that route, I found that. Uh, I, I think what, the way that you said it was beautiful is just vulnerability attracts resources. Like there's something just attractive about that. And there's something that runs against the grain on, on what we expect people to do, especially people in leadership. 
Yeah. Uh, during that, and you've mentioned this a couple of times. So uh, I, I was one of those uh, folks who, for the beginning part of my career, the idea of a coach was like, yuck. You know, I was like, why would it, it, that's a, an admission of failure, right? Right, right. Uh, and, and then that, that really slapped me in the face on more than one occasion, because it took more than one occasion to get through my head. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey through, like, how do you uh, move from, I don't want a coach to, I've got to have a coach. And if you could wrap that up with, in your opinion, who needs a coach and why? All right. I think there are three things in there. So I'm going to start with a quote that somebody said to me, and then I'll give you my story. So somebody, somebody used the quote, uh, the best way to know what's down the road ahead is to ask somebody on their way back. And I'm like, that is so smart. Like, I think I'm this visionary, like visionary leader, which means I've got to be the one to brave, like pave a brand new road that nobody's ever been down. And that's just foolishness. Like somebody's been, even if you slice and dice what you're going down, somebody's been down that road. Um, so that that quote hit me hard. And then in my story, I went and spoke at a peer group. Like uh, I was a guest speaker one day on you know subject matter expert, and um, I I ended up engaging with a few of the guys in this group. And I just I'm a, I'm a curious kind of guy. So I'm like, so what, what was it about this group? Cause I, the, the chair had recruited me like two or three years before. And I thought the cost was just absolutely outrageous to be in this. It was a peer group slash coaching model. So you worked with the chair and you had an all day, uh, group time with the, the guys. And, um, two of the guys gave me the exact same answer to that question. They both said, I couldn't afford not to do it. And there was something about the weight of those words where they, you know, what they weren't saying is I couldn't even put a value on this. Mm. Like it's not once, once you do it and you feel it and you see it, the cost you put in becomes insignificant because it's no longer even becomes a choice. It's like buying, it's like insurance for the business. Like I, ha it's just a cost. And I can't imagine not doing it because I would be yeah. stealing something from my future by not investing in it now. And man, that, that when the second person in a row said that gave me almost verbatim the same thing, I'm like, okay, I'm missing something here yeah. and I need to see what it is. Yeah, that's so good. Now, I've worked with lots of coaches. I uh, had the opportunity to interview uh, several hundred coaches, actually. And one thing that I've found, and I can be guilty of this myself, is that coaches have a knack for spending all of their time and energy on their clients and can forget to spend some time and energy working on their own businesses. So I'd love for you to put your own CEO hat on for a moment and uh, just let us know, what does the next phase of growth look like for you and System and & Soul? And, and what are you doing to achieve that? Okay. So if we're talking about, uh, the, the organization and not my own coaching practice, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, I think that we have, um, I've gone back and forth. Do we have product market fit or market product fit? Um, I'm not sure, but I think we do have that. So now we're moving on to more of a, a go to market fit where, we can find some repeatable success in how we, we have not yet even tried to market to organizations uh, because we've, we've brought on coaches who then go, you know, raise up their own book of business. We're making the shift on that this quarter. So we're shifting from being really, really heavily focused on recruiting coaches to 
um, I won't even say recruiting companies, evangelizing the companies. We're mm-hmm. actually going to work on democratizing system and soul and giving as much of it as we possibly can away uh, to impact as many businesses as we possibly can. I love that. A mutual uh, friend of ours uh, and someone that I know is instrumental to your story told me once um, that you cannot outgive the market. And I've yeah, tried for yes. the last three years to prove him wrong and I haven't yet, but uh, yes. But yes. We joked about that at our quarterly planning. It feels, it it makes me a little nervous to try, but that's exactly what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and outgive the market. We're just not sure on the the time frame for the return on outgiving the market, right? How do you, what's the time frame on that? That's scary. There there is a thing (laughs) called cash flow in the meantime. (laughs) This is very true. All right. Uh, so now I know that some of our listeners uh, would say, yes, we absolutely need help uh, bringing clarity and control, just bringing everything under one hood, getting rid of the mix mash of everything. How can they best connect with you guys over at System and Soul? Um, Systemandsoul.com. Really easy. Bunch of options there. Uh, something super simple, totally free that everybody can do is go to the261.com. And I share, there's 261 business days in the work year. And I think there's so much clutter and noise about what we're supposed to be doing, what we should be doing. And then also what we forget to take time to think about as leaders. So a very short, you know, couple sentence email every day to help us frame up an idea or or a piece of our business. So that's a a free daily reminder that you can get at the261.com. I love that. The261.com start off each day right uh, with Benj and the crew over there. Benj, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Scott. And thanks everyone for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.